Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. It is great to see you. And I mean that. My name's Dave. Uh, it's so great to see you. And I was looking so forward to this week that yesterday, I woke up at 3 a.m. to get on a plane going out of Milwaukee just a few hours later and be here to celebrate daylight saving time with you and to have a good time. And the reason I was willing to do that is because I have been a good friend of Pastor Ben's for the past 15 years. He has yet to be a good friend to me. He doesn't even come out hardly, but once a year. But that being said, I still come out multiple times a year and have a good time. And the reason I cut it so close, having to get up so early, is because of something you will not understand. But in Wisconsin right now, it is deer hunting season for bow hunters. Okay, that's like Seafair weekend in Seattle. Okay, this is like the Super Bowl in Wisconsin. And so I decided to cut it close. I wanted to have my cake and eat it too. So I stayed up in a deer stand, a tree stand, as long as I could and still make it here to celebrate the weekend with you. So let's get this party started. It's going to be a tough morning, I can tell. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, buying gas right, filling up my vehicle, and, and the credit card uh, thing is broken, so I have to go in to pay for it, old school, you know, and uh, I'm in line, and the guy in front of me is about 20, 21 years old, and he has this rose, and nothing says romance, like a rose at a gas station, but he has this rose wrapped in this cheap plastic, and he hands it to the cashier, and he asks, how much is the rose? And the cashier, obviously having sold plenty of these, said $3.40. So this young man takes it and goes to return it, and I don't know him, you know, I haven't met him. I said, hey, bro, how much is she worth? And without missing a beat, he said, not $3.40, and puts it back. <laughs> wow. Love costs something, right? Love costs time, love costs money, love costs energy. And 2,000 years ago, one of the great leaders in the early church, a guy by the name of Paul, writes a letter to followers of Jesus. And in that letter... He zeroes in on this word called love. Here's what he writes. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Without love, people cannot hear what we are saying. So without love, it doesn't matter how much work Timberlake does in the community. It doesn't matter how much mission Work is done around the world. It doesn't matter how much money is given. If it's given from a position of superiority, if it's done from a position of we have everything, you have nothing, so we're just here to help you. It's a noisy gong. It's a clanging cymbal. It's just white noise. Right? So you have a business and it's growing every year, 10%, 20%, 30% growth year over year. Articles being written about you. Podcasts wanting to interview you. If you do not have a culture of kindness and compassion and respect in the workplace, then when you get all of your employees together and you start talking about charging the hill and putting together next quarter's goals, just a clanging symbol for them. There's a disconnect. 
If you have the family everybody envies and your kids are always succeeding in sports or their grades or every time they try out for any production, they get the lead role. But when your kids are around you, they don't have room to breathe. They don't have room to be themselves and learn a little bit about their personality. All your kids hear is a bunch of noise. It doesn't mean anything. I, I think that one of the reasons in our country, a large percentage of the population will never show up to environments like this is because they hear, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. But they know it really only applies to certain groups of people. You know, in our culture, love is a very interesting word. It's an interesting concept. We, of course, use it in all sorts of ways. And it's really not a right or wrong. It's just a cultural thing, right? It's just a thing thing. But in our culture, we often attach the word love to accomplishment. And so I feel loved when I get A's on my report card. Right? You feel loved when you wear a size 4. You feel loved when the department you're in charge of is outpacing the growth of the company. Or the team you're coaching is winning all the time. We feel loved when our social media posts, when our Facebook posts, or our tweet that we put out is liked by a bunch of people. Because in our culture, the scorecard, the evaluation tool, is always at some level going to be accomplishment and achievement and accumulation. Just is what it is. The problem is most of life is an accomplishment and achievement and accumulation. There are seasons we go through that, but a lot of life is just challenging, it's difficult, it's average, it's just going through the motion. Right? There's a lot of people, when they talk about their life, they're going through seasons where all, you know what, is breaking loose. And it just feels like life's falling apart. So how does someone like that feel loved? That's why the scorecard, the evaluation tool for followers of Jesus is different than everybody else. The scorecard evaluation tool for us is how well we love others. Nobody on this planet spent more time and was closer to Jesus than a guy named Peter. For three years, Peter was his disciple, his confidant, his best friend. And years after Jesus walked this planet, Peter is writing a letter to followers of Jesus. He's trying to remember all the things that he learned from Jesus. And so he summarizes it. And he says this, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Whoa. It's a little overwhelming, man. That's a lot of words to remember. Like, I can barely remember my to-do list for today. Now i got to add this. He says, be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And the good news for us is if we want to remember that, we really just need to narrow it down and summarize it with these two words. Show respect. Show respect. Now, I know it's not easy to show respect to everybody. Right? There's people who don't deserve it. There are people who certainly have not earned our respect. There's angry people, mean-spirited people, hurtful people, immature people. And so it's just easy to dismiss showing respect, even though respect is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not something that has to be earned. It is a decision we make. But let's be honest. I mean, a lot of people, you look at them and say, yeah, I'm not respecting them. But in our life, if we're, if we're just truthful, come on. All of us have done hurtful things and mean-spirited things, and we've all been immature. I was thinking this past week, back to my early 20s, how immature I was. I, I, first job I had was leading a big group of students, and uh, high school students, middle, middle school students, and uh, every summer, I would take this group of students, we lived in the Chicago area, I'd bring them to Six Flags Great America. 
about 40 minutes from where we lived. And, and, and one particular summer, I'm 21, 22 years old, I decide to get all the guys in our group, okay, this will speak to maturity here, I got all the guys in our group to take off their shirts on every single ride. So we whip off our shirts in the middle of the roller coaster and we start whipping them around. Naked squad, naked squad. In fact, I got a picture of this. This is from me working with students. I was like the guy in charge, okay? And there's me in the back with my tongue sticking out, real mature, real mature. And so we get off, we had done this for a number of rides. We get off one of the rides and the operator said, hey guys, need to talk to you all over here. And at this point, a lot of the people in the uh, line were chanting, naked squad, naked squad. So I'm like all fired up. He said, get over here and I'm waiting. They want to take our picture, right? Maybe give us tickets to the front of the line. Nope, I was wrong. Next thing I know, security's there. Follow us. I'm like, oh man, this is not going to turn out good. So we go to the area of the security office and uh, the guy takes our names and numbers and wants to know who he can call, who's like the leader. And I'm like, that's me, you know? And uh, bottom line, is they said, hey, we're not kicking you out of the park just for today. You saw the rules. No uh, taking off shirts or clothing of any kind on any of the rides. And so you're not allowed in our park anymore. That's a pretty extreme. But I want to tell you, I've been back, ladies and gentlemen. They haven't kept my name on there forever. And so I look back at that season of my life, and it's just one of so many immature things that I've done. I could probably point to things in the last couple of months, right, that I've done immature. We've all done immature things. We've all done hurtful things. We've all done mean-spirited things. And so respect isn't something that just has to be earned by people. It can be shown by us because it's a decision and a choice we make. And if you want to be someone who shows respect so that when you say things or do things, it isn't just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, then you have to make the choice to not label other people. See, really in life, there are only two categories of people who can label things. And, and I know, those of you who have OCD, you, you love label makers, right? It's like, oh, I gotta label everything. Toy box, right? Silverware, it's like the most obvious stuff, but you're labeling it because it makes you feel good and you're like, no, it's for everyone else in my family to make sure, you know, that's great, that's great. But in life, there are really two categories of people who have the right to label something. First of all, the creator has the right to label something. The manufacturer, right? So Microsoft can put their name on a product. Ford, Honda, they can put their name on a product. So the manufacturer, the creator, has that right. That's what they do. In fact, my daughter, literally just before I left for this trip, bought me this Adidas jacket, okay? So Adidas has their name on there, and that is their right because they made it. They created it. They manufactured it. The other category who has the right to label something is the owner. So if you own something, guess what? You have that right. You can go around your house, and you can say, silverware drawer. 1980s Richard Simmons workout collection. You know, Pastor Ben's greatest hits. You can do all that because you are the owner of those things. If I went to your house later this week because you invited me over for a nice meal, filet mignon, right? And I got in your house and I'm looking around, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna start making labels. Shoes go here, right? This is where the plates go in the kitchen and this is where the, the Tupperware goes or whatever. I, I may label them correctly, but I don't have that right because I'm not the owner. I'm the owner of this now, so guess what? If I want, I could put a patch over Adidas and I could say, Dave's jacket. I have the right to do that because the creator has the right and the owner has the right. 
Every single one of us wear labels, and they're not labels that are printed, of course. They're just labels that were handed down to us by parents or by teachers or by maybe siblings or coworkers or people that we barely knew. Some of the labels are very helpful and others are very, very hurtful. And some labels we reject, others labels we embrace, right? There's people who have no problem saying, I'm chronically late. If it starts at 7, I'm showing up at 7.15. There are other people who like to be super early. So I'm going to be there at 6.30 in the parking lot. I just... Uh, Get anxiety if I'm not on time, right? There's people who say, I'm an optimist. Other people, they'll never say pessimist, right? I'm a realist. Any realist here today? Yeah, I'm a realist, yeah. There's type A personalities and morning people and night people. I know in the Seattle area, we have a lot of people who would self-identify themselves loud and proud as a geek, right? Oh yeah, our tech booth, woo! Like the only time someone of the opposite sex talks to you is when they need to update firmware on their, you know, phone. <laughs> Help me. So here's the deal. All of us wear labels, and labels are very powerful. They, they can hurt us, or they can help us. And as much as we'd rather people not place labels on us, because we've got to live up to that label, even if it's like, they're the funny one, right? Then you've got to live up to that, or they're the serious one. It's like, oh, I feel like I can't be funny. Whatever that label is, the truth is, we do it to others. We label people. We label people based on their past, decisions they made for the good or bad. It's just kind of, that's how we label them. And labels stick with people. Right? It's like they don't go away, which is why 20 years after Monica Lewinsky had a sexual relationship with the president, she's still being asked about it in interviews. It's like, leave the girl alone. But what happens is we label people. We label people based on the position they have in life, job title, their race, their demographic, right? They're a millennial, they're a baby boomer, they're a Gen Xer. They're the greatest generation. We label people based on their bank account, their season in life, their marital status. But if we're honest, probably the number one way we label people is just perception. It's not even reality. It's just, well, I had this interaction with them. I'm never flying this airlines again. Worst experience ever until they're the cheapest flight, and then we go with them again, okay? But we label, hey, I'm gonna tell you, perception's a big deal. When I was in college, we had a phone directory with pictures, and we would put our phone number in there, and the area we are from, it's just kind of a way for all the students to really get to know each other, and, you know, for guys, we were always looking through there, just, what's her name, you know? And uh, I made a mistake one year. I thought, oh, I was gonna be ridiculous. And so this is the picture I had in our photo directory for college, right? <laughs> I thought it was being funny. I think everybody thought I was creepy. So, you know, it's kind of like stay away. And I put that I was from Yokohama, she, Japan. So all year long, people go, are you part of the military? Like, what, what, what branch? And I'm like, no, I'm just being stupid. I've never been to Japan. And just ridiculous. But that was the, the image. You can take that down. But that was the image <laughs> that I had all year long. But if we're going to show respect to everybody, we have to recognize the only people who have the right to label someone as the creator or the owner. And since we don't play that role in anyone's life, we don't have that right. Only God does. The very first book, the very first chapter of our Bible, here's what we read. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, if that's true, if humans really have been created in the image of God, then we owe it to every single person we come in contact with to treat them with dignity and respect. Now, being made in the image of God doesn't mean we are God. It just means we reflect God. Right? We have a little bit of Him in us that we reflect. So like God, you know, we're intellectual. We can think and reason and solve problems. We're relational. We can give and receive love. 
We've got a moral conscience. We can know the difference between right, right and wrong and make choices. We're spiritual beings, which means even though this physical body's going to die, our spirits will live forever. But every human being was made in the image of God. And if we're going to treat another human being accordingly, then it starts with respect. And we learn a little bit about respect in a statement that Jesus made 2,000 years ago, the most famous talk he ever gave. Here's what Jesus said. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is known around our world as the golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. And so the question we would be wise, every one of us, to wrestle with is this. How do I want to be treated? Like a rock star? Like royalty? Like a celebrity? Like an actor or an actress? I mean, that would be fun for a while, wouldn't it? But it wouldn't be fun forever because even celebrities are treated in such a way that fluctuates all the time based on what new content they're creating, based on how many Instagram followers they have, based on how many stadiums they can fill, based on what new songs they just wrote, based on the latest movie they starred in. We saw this evidence just a couple of months ago, right, with Jeffrey Owens, who played Bill Cosby's son-in-law on The Cosby Show. Some of you will remember this. It was all over the news. Uh, basically, in the 80s, this guy was known by everybody because he's part of the most famous show of the 80s. And so somebody sees him begging groceries at Trader Joe's just a couple months ago. They take a picture of him, and they put it on social media as a way to shame him. And it just took off. Now, thankfully, it all worked out in the end for him and uh, got him some jobs as a result of that. But we don't want to be treated like a celebrity because what that looks like fluctuates. So how do I want to be treated? Well, if I didn't just choose one word, I, didn't, I want to be treated with respect. So Jesus would say, you want to be treated with respect, Dave? Then you have to treat others with respect. Treat others in a way that values them and appreciates them. And so Peter writes this letter and he says, be like-minded, be compassionate, show love to one another. And a little bit later, he gets very straightforward, and he just puts it this way. He says, just respect everyone. Every single person that we come in contact with because they were made in the image of God deserves to be shown respect with our words, our actions, and our body language. And of course, the challenging part is we're not born in a world where we naturally know how to respect. Right? Babies, they don't stay in their crib and think, well, I'm hungry, and I want to get out of here, so I'm just going to respect my parents' need for sleep. No, they just, they, they, they got to have attention for themselves. As children, we don't naturally respect our, our siblings and say, well, no, you take the bigger piece of dessert. No, seriously, I'll take the smaller piece, right? We don't say, oh, you play with that. No, we steal each other's toys. We call each other names. As teenagers, we don't naturally respect our parents and authority figures and teachers as they're trying to steer us in the right direction. Right? So you're going in the wrong direction in life, and your teacher's talking, your parents talking. You, Thank you so much for steering me in the right direction. My life is better off because of you, Mama. Thank you. No, we, that, that doesn't happen. Even as adults, we're not instinctive and natural at respecting. Right? If we think someone's incompetent, if we think someone is, uh, does, you know, says or does something that we disagree with, 
If someone in customer service doesn't treat us how we think we should be treated, if a teacher, if a coach makes a decision about our child that we don't like, we are going to let them know with our words, our actions, and our body language. And not only are we going to let them know, we're going to let everybody on the social media world know. Because respect isn't natural. It is a learned behavior. And so I want to take the rest of the time we have together, and I want to quickly walk through five ways that we can learn to show respect to other people. Because if we don't learn respect, it doesn't matter what we say doesn't matter how much money we give, doesn't matter how much work we do in the community, right? Timberlake's known for your work in the community. You're known for your generosity, right? Doesn't matter how much food you give away. Well, that, I'd take that back. You can give away a lot of food on Sundays, and that's a, always a blessing of coming here, right? But here's the thing. Because a lot of people don't earn our respect or don't deserve to be respected, this is where we have to constantly tune our hearts and our spirits to our Heavenly Father. And we have to remind ourselves of how much He loves us and how patient He's been with us and how compassionate He's been to us and how respectful He's been to us and given us space in our journey so that we can in turn say, all right, Heavenly Father, from the strength I have from you, I now am able to do this for others. So you want to respect others? Number one, focus on who people are and even more importantly on who they're becoming. Every person matters to God. Every person made in his image. So in the worst days of your life when you would look in the mirror and just say, I feel like a failure as a dad. I feel like a hypocrite as a follower of Jesus. I feel like the least intelligent employee in, in the workplace. It just feels like everybody's genius and I just can barely keep up. When it just feels like life's against you, it doesn't change how God thinks about you. When God looks at you, he says, you're, you're my child. You're fully loved. You're fully accepted. You're fully capable. You're fully valued. Like, his idea of us doesn't fluctuate. And here's the truth about our interactions with people. We will find what we're looking for. Right? Vultures that soar high in the sky, what are they looking for? Dead, rotting, roadkill. So they find it. That's what they're going after. Hummingbird? No, they're looking for sweet, life-giving nectar. They're looking for something different, and they both find what they are looking for. You will find what you look for and focus in on in the lives of other people. So yeah, they're hurtful, and yeah, they can be mean-spirited. But it doesn't mean everything about them is bad. You want to be someone who respects others? Then you need to learn to embrace differences. See, respectful people, we can have mean, or we can have... Um, uh, very spirited debates without being mean. Respectful people have this internal understanding that everybody has a story. Everybody has a background that has shaped them, informed them in some way. You can absolutely love someone and still disagree with them. I do it with my kids all the time. It's true. And here's what I know. We have way more in common with each other than we have different. Uh, and, and so we need to focus on what we have in common. But when we talk about our differences, we can still do it by respecting one another, not trying to change the beliefs of one another. Another thing about respectful people is respectful people believe the best. Respectful people believe the best. It is easy to judge someone before you really even know them, right? How many times did you label someone and then you got to know them? You're like, hey, I kind of like them. 
right? Uh, they're actually a lot nicer than I would ever have imagined. Some of you are married to those people. You know, the first time I met them, they drove me crazy. Then I met them and fell in love, and oh, they have so many good... Now we've been married 20 years, so I'm annoyed again. So, you know, but we place labels on people all the time based on little interactions and based on just stories we make up in our mind. Now, again, because I live in Wisconsin, I, 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 I go deer hunting, okay? And it's hard for you to understand, uh, you know being here in uh, the Seattle area. But if you're going to be in Seattle, you might as well love the Seahawks, right? You might as well become part of the crew. And so uh, in Wisconsin, I just, uh, that's what I do. And, and a couple weeks ago, I got out of my deer stand super uh, late, like after the sun had completely gone down because I wait till it's pitch black. I put a light on my head and I start walking through the forest. And I'm walking through and uh, about 20 yards ahead of me, I see something that just terrified me. I saw a pair of eyes, okay, looking at me on the path that I'm on. Now, it was about eye level, so I quickly concluded this has got to be a deer just in headlights, right? And so I go, go, get out of here. And it wasn't moving. I had to stomp my feet a couple times, start walking a little bit closer, and finally trotted off in about 15 yards uh, in, in, in another direction. So the eyes are looking at me there. I look in the other, there's other eyes looking at me. I'm like, there's a force of eyes. I got to get out of here. This is terrifying. And I start to get out to just where the force starts to end. And all havoc breaks loose in one of the trees up in one of the trees all these branches going there's noises being made and all i can think of at this time is i have seen bears on trail cams there and i'm like oh please don't be a bear please don't be a bear please don't be a bear and you know you've learned all these things right like when you see a bear play dead and uh, you know fight back someone might say or run you know you have all these i don't remember what i'm supposed to do in this situation i start to quote the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me alive and i get out of the forest and i'm just so scared and i get back and uh to the cabin where i'm hanging out with some dudes and it was obvious when i walked in i was still shaking and I said, guys, I got to tell you what just happened. First of all, these deer eyes staring at me, and finally it trotted off. Uh, I said, but then I said, I know you're going to think I'm making this up. I get out of the, like, the forest, and all, you know, this noise in the trees. I said, I don't know if it was a bear. I don't know what it was because I didn't see it. And one of the guys starts laughing. He says, Dave, he says, uh, turkeys roost in trees to get away from predators. He said, I'll tell you, it was just turkeys up there. I promise you, you were safe. But man, I told myself all these stories. How many times... Do we tell our stories about people? Well, they're, they're, they're intentionally doing that. They're trying to, even if it's true. The Apostle Paul, this great church leader, when he writes about love, says this, love believes the best of every person. Love gives, gives the benefit of the doubt. It just assumes good. The church I pastored in Wisconsin for years, we were meeting in a movie theater, and we had grown to the point that we were using four auditoriums for adults. So I would speak in one and then three would watch on, on video while I'd be speaking in, in the auditorium. And one particular weekend, we had a lot of technical glitches, which you can imagine, set up, tear down, there's going to be glitches, and that would happen from time to time, but I'm talking major glitches. Like one auditorium, they lost audio for uh, a good portion of the talk, and then they got it working again. Another auditorium lost video halfway through and never recovered. So that entire auditorium, half the message, they just listened on audio like, you know, like it was some podcast. And, and I find out when the services are done that all this stuff happened because they didn't interrupt me while I was talking. And, and so I'm, I'm hanging out with my brother that afternoon, and I was so fired up. My brother is on the tech team, and I'm just, ugh. I said, I'm calling right now the lead of the tech team because this is unacceptable. It's unprofessional. It's a horrible experience for our guests that came today. This is just ridiculous. And literally, I have my phone in my hand. And my brother says, hey, I serve on the tech team, so let me just ask you a couple questions. Do you think that any of us got there today and said, we want to screw this thing up for Dave? 
We want a bad experience for everybody who shows up. We, I was like, no, 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 I, I, I don't think that happened. He goes, then don't make that call. And I took his advice. Sometimes we need to be reminded to just believe the best. You know another thing love does, or respect does? Respect, respectful people listen intently. They don't interrupt and they don't dominate conversations. I think all of us could grow in our emotional intelligence and our social awareness when it comes to how much we listen. And it's so challenging. And every so often there's a person who makes it really, really challenging. It's like they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. In fact, on the plane ride here yesterday, the Lord allowed someone to sit next to me who had the gift of gab. And she kept talking and talking. Thankfully, I have like these headphones that are over the ear, noise canceling. And so there was a break in the conversation. I said, oh, that's great. It did, she didn't take the clue. Five or six times in the course of our plane trip, she tapped me on my arm. And she had to ask me a question. I'd take it off every time. One time I'm watching a hunting show I had downloaded. She goes, are those the kind of deer that you uh, shoot? I said, oh, no, I wish, because those things are huge, right? This is Montana material here. I said, but no. <laughs> it's just like one after the other. And I'm trying to do my best. You know, I'm, I'm at one point working on my talk with my iPad next to me, watching a video at the same time. And, and it's like, listen intently. And I, I didn't, I, so I get it. This is where at times, now, and it doesn't mean we have to every time just say, oh, I'm going to listen to whatever. And we, we have to be wise in, in how we navigate conversations. But there are times where we just have to just say, God, I'm going to be sensitive to you. I, I, here's the deal. We can invite people into our life, but people know whether they're really welcomed or not. Nothing says you're invited more than the Statue of Liberty. Right? Bring your weak. Bring your poor. Bring the huddled masses. Just bring anybody. Just get on over here, man. We're going to be one big happy family. Because that's great. Have you ever actually seen Lady Liberty's face up close? Whoa! Nothing says you're invited like an angry French woman. I was looking at that saying, who does that remind me of? And I think I figured it out. I think it's, I think it's Elvis. That's who I think it is. That's another issue altogether. Right? I, I want, when people get around me, I want people to say, man, Dave makes me feel valued. Dave make me, makes me feel important. If they don't feel respected, doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter what I do. It's just sound. It's just noise. So a fifth way that we can make others feel respected is to respond cautiously. I've been speaking at Timberlake for 10 years, so if you've been around for a while, you probably figured this out. I am an intense person. And my wife will say, I'm intense all the time. She says, Dave, you don't have like a level two or three. You're just an intense person all the time. And so for me to respond cautiously is like the greatest discipline ever. Because I'm a reactor. Okay. And it makes it very difficult for me when the stress is piling up. A couple weeks ago, that happened. In the course of just 10 days, it felt like everything in my life was falling apart. It started with my refrigerator that started making this, this buzzing noise, okay, loud buzzing noise, so I know you got to get that fixed. Then my wife calls me, and all the lights on her dashboard and her car are on, and she's restarted a couple times, and they won't go off. So I know i got to get that fixed. I'm taking a shower one morning and the hot water is not getting hot. So my hot water heater's broken, okay? So that's got to get fixed. Now, thankfully, I watched a YouTube video, figured it out, went to Lowe's myself and fixed it, ladies and gentlemen. But that's a side note. That's a side note. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
All right, but this is all in the course of a week. Then, to top it off, my dishwasher breaks. I have to have a guy out to look at it. He gets done looking at it. He says, hey, we could replace like the circuits or whatever in here. He said, but be honest with you, I just think you should get a new one. I'm like, man, I'm always so stressed. Okay, so I go to Lowe's, get a new dishwasher. They put it in my vehicle. Well, I get home. I don't have a dolly to get this thing out, so I kind of wrestle it through. And it's not as heavy as you would think, but I wrestle it into the house, and I set that up myself. Lowe's would have set it up for free, but I wasn't willing to wait two days. That's called intensity, right? You just got to get it done now, and so I set it up myself. Now, I'm going to just pause that story. In my basement, so homes in Wisconsin all have basements, and, and in my basement... I have a bar. It's a finished house and, and, and finished basement. So I have a bar down there. And over my bar is a camera. Not because I'm paranoid. All my friends, oh, you're so paranoid. We're going to take your... No. It's because I have a 19-year-old daughter and an 18-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. So I'm just being cautious. Okay? Well, the dishwasher that I fixed and set up and hooked up is right above my bar. I go down into my basement a little bit later and it is raining in my basement. And I start to panic because I realized I did not hook the dishwasher up correctly. I thought I did. The video camera picked all this up. So I'm going to show you like 15 second version of me going down there, seeing this happen, and watch it unfold. Okay, here, here, here's what happened. There you go. You see the water just dripping away. Okay, that's me. I realize what happens. We'll fast forward a little bit. Now it's just dripping because I've turned it off. <laughs> okay. It was not a good day in my house. Let's just put it that way. In the midst of this intensity, this is not a joke. My 12-year-old son comes like kneels next to me. And he's like the sweetest guy in the world. And he says, Dad, you can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you respond. <laughs> I'm like, dude, get out of here, man. I was not happy. A couple days later, he's playing a video game and he's yelling at the game. And so I walked in the room and says, you can't choose what happens in this video game, but you can choose how you respond. And here's the deal, guys. Respectful people respond cautiously. They apologize when they hurt people. They form opinions very carefully. Imagine in, in this political season, if a politician was asked a question, they said, hey, I honestly haven't studied that. Let me get back to you. Whoa, What? Guys, you can form opinions and have strong opinions, but if you have new information, you can change those opinions. That's what respectful people do. They choose words carefully. I love what the author of Proverbs writes, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Do you want to be someone who unites or divides? Do you want to be someone who loves or hates? Apostle Paul writes this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. If we do nothing else today, if we have no other action step other than leave here and speak good and helpful and encouraging words, people won't hear that. People will feel love. People will sense they're made in the image of God. They're being treated accordingly. Maya Angelou has many great quotes. One of my favorites is, people will forget what you said and people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So how do you make people feel? When people walk away from you, what is their impression? Even if it's just a quick interaction, what is their impression? So going back to the words of Peter, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. How are you going to remember all that? You don't have to. Just remember to show respect. Without respect, that's the message we give. Let me pray for you. <laughs> Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for the love you've shown us, the compassion you've shown us, the mercy you've shown us. I thank you for being patient with us, respectfully giving us space to have our spiritual journey and move forward at a pace that we feel we can ask questions and wrestle with doubts. I pray now help us to do that for others, to be respectful to others, to be compassionate to others, to be merciful to others, to be loving to others, to reflect you everywhere we go and help people understand they were made in your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.